Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show, brought to you by Generation Ziggler. I'm your host, James McLean, the founder and CEO of, of Generation Ziggler, and I'm joined today by two of our Ziegler Youth Certified Trainers. They're serving as our guest host today from Nebraska. Our corn husker, Miss Abby Durham. How are you doing, girl? I'm doing great. How are you, James? I'm doing excellent out there. How's the weather out in the Midwest? It's a little warm today, but you know, we're, it's not windy, it's not raining, uh, the sun is shining, I can't complain. <laughs> and from the place where the stars at night are big and bright. Yes, we're talking about coming from deep in the heart of Texas. Mr. Jay Scholar, how are you doing, sir? Oh, howdy, James. I'm doing good. Uh, uh, living large today, enjoying my last few breaths of summer before school kicks up here in a few days. So uh, I'm just excited to be talking to y'all today. So when does school start for you? Uh, we kick off on the 19th year at Texas A&M University. And Abby, you've already started at uh, University of Nebraska? We go back online on the 17th and in person on the 24th. Oh, wow. Out here on the East Coast, the schools of, well, the North Carolina colleges have already started. I think some of the ACC schools have, have yet to start uh, going forward. Well, guys, I, I'm really excited about who we were able to get as our guest on today's show. Uh, we have someone that you may have not heard of in the audience before, but afterwards you're going to want to know a lot about this young, this, this man, uh, Mr. Cleo Franklin. Mr. Cleo Franklin is the president, CEO, and founder of Franklin Strategic Solutions. Now, that is a global consulting firm, and you're like, oh, wow, what does that have to do with me? Well, listen to what else this guy has done in his lifetime. He has 30 years of global business executive leadership. Most of that has been spent in agricultural companies. And he explains to us a little bit how a, a man from, young man from inner city Chicago can end up uh, working with agriculture. But he's also an author, has a new book coming out we're gonna talk about. He's a speaker, he's an entrepreneur, but what I really appreciate about him is he is a mentor uh, to young people, our Gen Z audience, is to them, inspiring them to be better leaders. What you guys, excited about hearing from Mr. Franklin on today's show. Well, well you, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Abby, go ahead <laughs> I have yet to read his book, but I am very excited to do so. And um, I'm really excited to hear him talk about purpose and how he defines purpose and how his definition of purpose and servant leadership kind of go hand in hand. Um, mm. As a young person that's kind of getting ready to enter what we call the real world, I guess. <laughs> I'm really interested in figuring out how I can find my purpose and fulfill my purpose while still serving others. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, to piggyback off of Abby there, uh, so as James mentioned, he does have a new book out called Coffee with Cleo. Uh, and, and I've known Mr. Franklin now for about half of a year and I've had the opportunity to speak with him before about some leadership principles and things. And since talking to him, I've incorporated a couple of those into my own life, but I haven't had the chance to speak with him since reading his new book that's out now. So I really wanna talk about some of the contents of that book and how they apply to leadership, as well as rehashing some of the questions that I've found important that he's answered for me before, so that our awesome young audience and, and, and listeners can kind of get a glimpse into some of those things that have really helped me along my leadership journey since knowing Cleo. 
Audience, you're gonna love it, Gen Zers, and you're gonna love this this session we have. So let's just get let's stop talking here and let's get right straight to our interview with Mr. Cleo Frank. All right, I want to welcome to the Gen Z show, Mr. Cleo Franklin. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, it's, a, it's an honor and pleasure to be part of this series, and I'm looking forward to our conversation and also connecting with your audience today. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. I do appreciate you, you being willing to, to come and share with us your insights on leadership uh, to the show. I was connected with you through our mutual friend, Mr. Aaron Alejandro. Uh, so I want to do a shout out to Aaron. Uh, that thank again for connect because he's done a great job of connecting us with some of the top uh, leaders in business and industry and really almost anywhere across the way. How long have you known Aaron? I've known Aaron Alejandro uh, since 2011. I'm uh, full disclosure. I'm on the uh, I'm a member of the F Texas FFA uh, Foundation Board. So uh, been part of that organization and doing all I can to make sure that we have a great future by investing in young leaders today and, and Aaron and I have done a lot of different things uh, to hopefully do exactly what you've talked about, build access, engagement with some of the best of the best so that we can make sure that that information is transferred to those that are looking to aspire to be in leadership positions tomorrow. So you're on the board with uh, Tom Ziegler, who's our, yeah. kind of our patriarch here. Absolutely, Tom. Uh, in, in fact, um, you know, Tom's dad, everyone would know the great Zig Ziegler. I went to a couple of his conferences back in the, the uh, late 90s and mid 90s. And well, he's no different than Adele Carnegie. There's some, some people out there that really have these lessons that transcend across generations. And it's good to see Tom taking up that mantle and continuing on with his legacy. So um, uh, it's been a pleasure. And part of our job here at, at uh, Generation Ziegler through the Gen Z show is to really expose a whole new generation or generations, hopefully, uh, to Mr. Ziegler's message of, of hope and encouragement and thriving. So, Mr. Franklin, our, our audience may not be familiar with you. Uh, those who have maybe come to us through Texas FFA might, but those across the nation may not be familiar with you. Introduce yourself to our audience. Tell them a little bit about yourself. What's your story? Well, I, uh, again, my name is uh, Cleo Franklin. I am the author of a newly released book called Coffee with Cleo. It's a 10 leadership lessons, basically that chronicles my life. It really helps provide a construct and a roadmap for those that are not looking to, you know, improve uh, their livelihoods, but more importantly, their lives. I'm also the founder and CEO of Franklin Strategic Solutions. That is a global consulting firm, keynote speaking, coaching, course, business strategy across the board. Uh, there's many other things that I, I do as well in, in my life. I've served on lots of boards and, and advised different businesses. I'm an entrepreneur as well. But last year, I early retired from Mahindra Mahindra. I was their chief marketing officer and vice president, executive vice president of, of strategic development. And I have over 30 years in agriculture. Again, nine years with Mahindra, two years as vice president of sales and operations for Case New Holland, and 21 years with John Deere. So wow. those experiences have really ingrained me with a great affinity with agriculture. My, my mother and father both grew up on farms. My mother grew up on a farm in Southeast Missouri. My dad, of course, in uh, near Stuttgart, Arkansas, called 
course, Casco, Arkansas, but I can go back generationally three to five generations uh, in agriculture. So that's a little bit about me. I'm married to a wonderful woman by the name of Lois. Uh, we, we've uh, been married for 30 years and I have four wonderful children. So that's a little bit about me. So you've got this new book, The Coffee with Cleo. Uh, Jace, hold it up for the audience there, sir. This is not being prompted. Jace is actually reading this, our audience. This is not something that we said, hey, bring this prop. He's actually reading this today. So we got this book, which is uh, uh, 10 leadership lessons that, that you have learned over the course of your career. And a lot of our young, inspiring uh, audience, our young leaders, they, they aspire to do greater things. What are some of the advice that you would give them? Give a, a, someone in their late teens to mid-20s that, that really wants to, to up their game in leadership. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the one thing that is important when it comes to not just leading, but aspiring to be in a position that you would probably are looking towards to get to, uh, there's three things that I, I would say you, you must do. One is to basically find your purpose. And that's easily thrown out there, but I'm gonna give you a construct in how you find your purpose. The first thing one must do is really understand what they're good at. Now, that's important because what you're good at really is going to basically uh, help you shore up your strengths and always lead with your strengths. The second thing is, what is my passion? What is it that gets me up in the morning that I'm whistling and I cannot wait to do? And so when you understand what you're good at, what your, that's your strength, again, your passion, uh, the next thing is important is to find out where can I provide what I'm good at and what I love doing to a place that's going to appreciate it. So it's a four-segment four construct, understanding what you're good at, what I'm interested in from a passionate perspective, where is it that I can go and really showcase my skills and my passion? And the fourth thing is, how can I receive something in return? And that does not necessarily have to be monetary. So when you combine all four of those things, what you're good at, what you love and have interest in, where is a place you can basically apply those at your talents and your skills and your passion and receive something in return, it is your purpose. And when you find that, it gives you a construct that gives you reason and purpose to do things that you want to do, and it comes very easily for you. So that's really the thing that I would share with, uh, again, anyone that's uh, at any age. And the other thing I would say is this, be fearless. I think uh, there's, we don't have all the answers. And the wonderful thing about life is it gives you the opportunity to live. And when you're living your life and you're engaging, you're gonna go about that in a way where you're just going to do as best as you possibly can. Be fearless in trying to see people to help mentor you, people in positions that you aspire to. But if it's purpose-driven, as I shared earlier, Construct, I think purpose-driven goals and objectives in a life is something that you'll commit to. It, when, uh, when I was reading some of the bio and some of the things that you talk about in your book, you talk about the term servant leadership for you. And that's, yeah. that's thrown around a lot in the personal development world and in the leadership world. And some people mean different things. What is servant leadership to you? What would that definition that you would convey uh, to our young audience? I love a quote by Max Dupree and his book, Leadership is an Art, is a book I would recommend for anyone. But his quote for me sums it up. It says that good leaders 
serve first and lead second. Uh, and those leaders without followers are only taking a walk by themselves. And so it's important that to go beyond yourself, to understand this life that we live, the skills that we have that we have to share, really have to be shared. And you have to have empathy for people, and that's caring. You have to have understanding of others and what motivates them and what inspires them. But to lead, you also have to really connect and engage mm. the things that not just matters to you, but what matters to them. So this service construct for me really takes it beyond oneself and applies towards the masses and those that matters most. And so it is a selfless, a very empathetic, authentic approach to making sure that you understand the things that you do go beyond you. It's more than, it's, it's, it's bigger than you. But for people to lead and to lead in an authentic, in a servant leadership way, they must also first support those that they're leading and really engage with them with the things that matters to them first. And that's putting others first and putting yourself second. What I do, it's such a different concept than so many people think of when they think of leaders. They, because they think of leadership as say, "Hey, look at me! I'm the big shot. Everybody follow me! Come on!" When it's well, it's a biblical concept. You know that you're going to serve those who are last will be first. Those who are first will be last. So it's a, it's a biblical concept in that con in that context as well. You know, I, I agree with you, and I I think that the, there's a there's another quote that I love, and it says, "Good leaders reflect the light." they do not absorb the light. Ooh. And so I'll, I'll repeat that. Good leaders reflect the light and shine upon the masses and others. They do not observe the, uh, you know, uh, of course, absorb the light. And if you understand that, it, it, it really becomes the things that you've talked about, what we want to call the universal truths. We want to apply it back to the Bible. Of course, uh, the golden rule. Uh, there's many lessons that basically adhere to that concept of service first. And it's a, it really, really accentuate authenticity, but more importantly for me, which I think is a great strength and that is in lacking in abundance in some of our leaders today, the word is humility. Mr. Franklin, I guess um, in having this conversation about purpose and being a servant leader, how did you know when you had found your purpose and like how, how did you take that purpose and be able to truly be a servant leader in what you're doing? That's a very, very good question. You know, it comes back to me generationally. I come from a highly serviced, um, focused and centered family. Um, my mother and father uh, both, uh, of course, made sure that not only did they support the family, but they supported the community that we resided in. And they set the example for myself and my brothers and sisters that in life, it's important that you provide service. And that is this, service at your church. Go out and, and, and help. Of course, we were always at the food pantry in our, in our neighborhood. When it came to elections, my mother and father were both uh, precinct captains in Chicago. Oh. And so moving forward to get out the vote. Uh, also providing service for those, of course, that were, there, were, there was a segment in, in my neighborhood that really needed the community's charity. And so we also provided service in that particular perspective and helping others rise in the course uh, to help their situations that they were currently involved in. But 
the lesson that they showed me in the example was that it's not what you say matters, but what you do for others matters more. And so my parents setting a role model for me, it really came natural for me. So whenever I approach anything, I look internally first and I basically scrub that against why am I doing this? Will this benefit me or will this benefit those that are in need to help meet the objectives for the greater good? And so that's an easy construct for me or, or a um, compass to, to basically scrub against. And so well, your question is a great one. And I think I've been very blessed to have role models as I've talked about my parents to kind of show by example, because I'll end it this way. There's a saying, seeing is believing. And I, I do believe that although we live in a three-dimensional world, you hear it, you can say it, you can touch it and feel it. But when you see and visualize uh, in, in true three-dimensional uh, perspective of what something is, it's, easy to, it's easier to relate to. And so having that role model there, showcasing those behaviors really help basically impart upon me how I should live as well. Great question, Abby, and I, and I hope I answered your question for you. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Franklin, so one of the bigger takeaways that I've taken from your book, uh, I'm a note taker, I'm a quote taker, uh, so I've been writing a lot of things down. One of the bigger things that stuck out with me was a quote from the book that said, always approach life with a beginner's mindset and what you will find and what you will see is not how things are, but how they can be. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, that takeaway from your book and, and the importance of going into things, focusing on the potential there and how they can be versus just what they are right there in front of you? Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, that's, um, that's, that's near and dear to me, uh, taking a beginner's mindset to life. Uh, because you know, a, one that is a, uh, I'm a continuous learner and I'm also a voracious note taker as well. But I believe that you know, if you consider yourself a master, there's nothing else that you can learn. Mm. You know, and, and, and I, well, you know, I am a WIP, I am a work in progress. And so I think it's important when you, when, a, when someone who is a master or an expert, and I'm not basically uh, begrudging those individuals, I think that an expert only see few possibilities and opportunities because they know it to be true according to what their own self-reference. But a beginner sees many and an unlimited realm of possibilities and opportunities. And it opens up the landscape. It's no different than if you were to get a child, uh, a toddler to come in and, and put a, uh, a phone in front of them. And they would look at that phone differently than a baby boomer would look at it. A toddler would look at that phone as something just in, from all works of imagination. My gosh, it has a screen. Oh my goodness, let me turn this over. Look at the, the way they constructed this. And they'll probably ask the question, what is this? And so it's the perspective that you take in life as a beginner, because what it does, it doesn't, it allows you to see multiple paths, multiple opportunities. And I, I like to use the word, you don't approach something with presumption that you already know. Because I want to show you something here, this cup. If this cup is full, you can't put anything in more. You can't put anything else in it. And a full cup will take on no more learnings. So if you were to pour more coffee on a full cup, 
it would just spill and that's called waste. So having an approach as a beginner, it opens your mind to see the possibilities and opportunities of how things can be, because I think that's the key to innovation. What something not is, but what it can be. And so that's kind of the inspiration, a little bit of context around that quote. Okay, so the ones that you've read in that book, what are the of those 10 leadership lessons? Which one do you like the best? Well, so the passage that that was from, I was actually just about to transition. Uh, and in the lesson eight, I believe it was, it's funny that you bring up the cup because I want to say towards the end there in lesson eight, it says, when you travel, bring an empty cup. Uh, and that was a big, that was one of the bigger takeaways for me, especially at this age that myself, that Abby are in right now, when we're trying new things and branching out and constantly finding ways to push ourselves, uh, you kind of get to that point, you know, where, where it's important to just look at it and have an empty cup and say, I'm a clean slate here and I'm, I'm ready for new knowledge. Uh, moving forward there, you know, um, what listeners may, may not know is I've actually had the chance to speak with you before. Uh, and I'm actually, I, I served as an intern under Aaron Alejandro, who we previously mentioned uh, this summer. And while we were on the road, Aaron always had us talking to somebody, some leader in agriculture, somebody with influence, a platform, wisdom to share. And one afternoon, we were on the way home from one of our weeks of travel, and we called Mr. Franklin. And, uh, and one of the questions that I was so intent on asking, because I knew he would give me valuable advice, advice that I've incorporated into my own life and since we've talked, but I want everyone else to hear is, is Mr. Franklin, could you give kids or whoever, whatever age group will listen to this, how can kids my age, how can youth leaders, how can youth in agriculture, how can they set themselves apart from their peers? What can youth start doing now to separate themselves from the rest of their peers with their daily habits, with their leadership uh, qualities and traits? What tips would you give some kids who really want to stand out in this world that desperately needs youth leadership? You know, I, I think that's a great question as I unpack that question. I think the first thing you have to be is yourself. Self-awareness, understanding that we are, again, imperfect human beings. We come with strengths, we come with weaknesses, we come with trigger points, but we come with a lot of potential and possibility. And accepting of oneself and knowing of oneself, I think is important and it's okay. Um, because as you learn through life, there's going to be some things that you're going to learn and unlearn. But you, one thing that you don't need to practice is being you. And when you are yourself, you're true to yourself and you're showcasing your, 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 your true element of, of, of and manifest who you are. So I, I think that's important. There's a couple of the things that I think that are important, especially in this perfect, uh, they call it the... Um, uh, this, this, this perfect world, and it really is perfect. The fact that, I mean, perfect means good and bad things happen. We have the pandemic. We have uh, force on rising unemployment. We have a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt. We have social justice uh, issues. And again, it's across the globe, cross-generational. I think it's important that anyone at your age, and even at any age, assemble themselves a personal board of directors. And what I mean by that is this. If you're looking to go into college, or if you're looking to pursue a new career, sometimes it's good to take counsel from some people that have been there before or people that you trust. And you do not have to wait 
to become a business person or get into college to find three to five people that you trust that you can go to and say, Chase, I'm thinking about going to Texas A&M versus Texas Tech. You know people that have gone to both those institutions. What do you think and tell me from these particular perspectives, culture, uh, graduation rate, what are your thoughts? Abby, you would go to someone and say, you know, I just had a, uh, an opportunity to do an internship at Land Lakes, but I'm also thinking of going to, of course, Bear & Company, which of course was in a subsidiary of Monsanto, both are great opportunities and they're in marketing, but you have been in marketing. This is the person you're speaking to. These are the plus and minuses of both, but tell me, what do you think? And based on my objectives or my internship, what would your counsel be? And so when you are able to use that sounding board and have accessibility to that, you can create that by showing initiative. But as I said earlier, being yourself, understanding yourself, having this sounding board of your own personal board of directors, I think is important more than everything. And the last thing I would say is um, be okay with uh, your uh, being vulnerable. You see why we have these young people come in and, and guest host with me. The questions that they come up with are far better than what I would have been able to come up with, with on my own. Do you have a favorite of the 10 lessons? Do you have one that's just the one that's really sticks? You're probably like, it's probably like your children in some regards that I don't have a favorite, but right. one that you gravitate toward, one that means the most to you? You know, that, yeah, that's a great question. I, I, they're all favorites, but I, I'll, I'll speak to one that, talks about vulnerability. And as Jace has the book, it's the first chapter and it's called The Power of Patience. And I'll tell you a story about that chapter. I, I had a uh, couple of mentees read that book. Uh, that, of course, edited the book for me. And it, it, it really caught them off guard because I opened the book about the fact that I am not naturally a patient man. Hmm. I, I am an impatient individual, and so I have to practice patience. That's a vulnerability that I have, but it's one that I accept in a self-awareness. So that chapter really showcases how I failed at practicing patience and the results of failing at not having patience and why through a lesson of failure, which I embraced throughout the book, really provides the seeds for you to be successful later. Failure teaches us a lot of things. It'll humble us. Either you be humble or be humble. But that chapter grounds me continuously every day. And it's one that I have to practice throughout the day. And also I have my own board of directors, my wife and my children will remind me as a mnemonic device, dad, remember chapter one, being patient. And so uh, I would say that chapter is one that, again, all of them are, are good, but for me, it's something that I, I, I struggle with. And leaders, teenagers, moms, dads, we all struggle. But understanding what the struggle is that you're dealing with and having people to help you with that and accepting it, I think is the first step to making sure that you can move forward and beyond. 
I like that. You got your kids coming through, say, chapter one, dad, chapter one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they can call me on it. I mean, without question, you know, I, you know, Gen Z's and millennial, millennials, they, they know authenticity when they, when they see it and they hear it, and they know it when it doesn't basically exist. So you can't fool these folks. This segment, that's why I think our future is bright, because of the fact of that aspect in itself by alone. Hey, just related to that, thinking about what we're going through with, with COVID, how do you think that's going to affect our leadership styles going forward? You know, the, the COVID has changed my, um, my interaction and engagement because we're socially distant. Just right here, we're discussing something virtually because of the aspects and the dynamics of COVID. I think what it does is this. It, it's, it's going to allow us to embrace technology more so put that on an accelerated pace, more comfortable with it. But I also think it's going to help us value the relationships that we have in a time that we basically place into those relationships. The fact that we can't see people or we can't basically, the frequency is going to be impacted and diminished. I think it creates a greater, I call it a deeper dialogue and engagement than when we were without the social distance. And so you're going to use your time more effectively. I think you're going to engage differently and technology is going to facilitate that. And um, I think the mindfulness of, of what this whole pandemic and all the things that are happening, I think the fact that people are more engaged, more in tune with what's happening. And I think that's going to create a more uh, empathetic individual that's going to be more aware and more informed. I agree with you. And then we're going to be more in tune with each other as a result of the shared experience that we've all gone through. Um, uh, Mr. Franklin, just the, this is the last one I'll throw at you. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but I know, and you mentioned it at the end of James's question when you touched on uh, being humble. And in chapter, I believe that's uh, chapter seven of the book where you talk about uh, have a piece of humble pie. And I know throughout the book, you talked a lot about relating things to your own life from your experiences in basketball uh, experience with your family. I know in, in attuned to an earlier question, you talked about how uh, your grandfather was a master of, of coming in with an empty mind, coming in with that beginner's mindset. Yeah. And in chapter seven, you said uh, in leadership and in life, the way we, uh, how we view ourselves and how we understand people's perceptions of us can sometimes determine, be the difference between success and failure. Um, when it comes back to that whole humbleness, how can people growing in their leadership journey balance pride, uh, but also balance being humble? And how do those all relate to empathy in, in the way you're talking about it now? You know, I, I, you know, I, um, I've been a blessed individual. Um, you know, I'm a Hall of Famer, a basketball player and in, in, in Hall of Fame at Mahindra Business. <laughs> the um, FFA uh, Honorary American Degree, I can go on and on and on. But those are things that I think too often um, we can puff ourselves up uh, and, and let that define us. I think we're just a summation of all the activities and the things that happens to us. And, and what happens to us are challenges, of course, hard learning or hard lessons learned, et cetera. And so in that chapter, it talks about the fact that um, my mother has a quote, Swallow your pride is not fattening. And so um, there's no calories in swallowing your pride, your pride. And, and what happens is that uh, 
pride can lead you to a big fall. I think for, for young leaders like yourself, it's important to know that you're going to be fearless, but you're going to possibly fail, for one. And I say embrace failure. I think there's, as I said earlier, there's great learnings in failure um, that can basically help you to be better the next time. And so it becomes embracing, it starts with embracing failure, but also embracing forgiveness. Forgive yourself. <laughs> We're gonna make a mistake. I mean, I've made a couple today already. And, and so I think it's tough when you're going to be hard on yourself, but I think it's important to forgive yourself and to embrace those failures and look for the best outcomes from those learnings. I think the other thing that's important about being um, humble is knowing the fact that there's an equation and, um, uh, and it's called E-R-O. E plus plus E plus um, R equals O. And what that means is this, an event is E, and how you respond, which is R, will equal the outcome. So E plus R equals O. We have the opportunity to drive and to basically secure what the outcome can be of any event based on how we respond. We can give it meaning, we can basically uh, not give it meaning, or we can inflame the outcome. But I think that's a pretty good equation when you think about things in life and what happens to you. And if you understand that, take pause like I just did, reflect, how I respond really is not, it's not what has happened to me, but it's my response that's going to basically create this outcome. And so that simple equation for me is one that will humble you, but also give you some guidance in how you should basically approach your decisions sometimes and the things that happen to you that are out of your control. Because there's a lot that's out of your control, but how you respond is well within your control and how you make decisions. Okay, Mr. Franklin, I'm going to switch gears on you just a little bit. Um, I was super excited when you were introducing yourself that you are a city kid, but you are rooted in agriculture because that's yes. my story as well. I grew up just south of Washington, D.C., and both of my parents and grandparents and for multiple generations have been on the farm. So my my tagline is I'm the the farm kid that's been displaced into the city. So I just, I'd love to hear more about how you stayed connected with agriculture throughout um, your time in Chicago and how that kind of played into your career that it is today. That's a great question, Abby. Now I'll, I'll say this too. If we look at our generations um, and, and go back into a lot in our lineage, I think most of us are gonna find out that we're either one or two generations removed from the farm. <laughs> and so, you know, it is the land that basically connects us all. Growing up in, in the inner city of Chicago, my mother and father, my father was the first to leave the farm and uh, decided to come to uh, Chicago and where he retired from the post office and he was a barber by trade, worked two jobs. My mother, uh, uh, the oldest of seven, uh, of course, on the boot hill of Missouri, and that's a Wardell, Missouri, was the first to get her education and as a teacher at Lincoln University, decided to go to Chicago and to teach and where she wanted to be. Now, when they, those two met in Chicago, one thing that they did, they always went back home. And every summer, 
uh, I would go back and stay on my grandfather's or grandmother's farm in, in Missouri as well as Arkansas. The only objection I had at the time is that we would do that in August. <laughs> so, uh, being, uh, being in Chicago and going south of the Mason-Dixon line, it's, it's a little warm, as you were saying. But their upbringing of resourcefulness, their upbringing of community, their upbringing of, of, of being independent, and of course, um, of, 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 of helping uh, others that are in need, really was something that they brought to the city. And being able to go back home and go back to, uh, again, my, my grandparents' farms and stay there in the summers were good for me. I ended up going to a school uh, in, in, in southeastern Iowa, which is a very big farming community. Graduated from Morningside College out of Northwest Iowa, a big, great big community. And so I guess it was just my blood that attracted me to those areas. And I'm comfortable in the boardroom. I'm comfortable... Uh, whether or not it's uh, any farm anywhere from Japan, China, India, Italy, uh, North Dakota, uh, Brazil, it doesn't matter, Mexico, but I'm also comfortable in Tokyo, Paris, Mumbai. And so it's still people doing business and also relating to people based on their craft. But that lineage for me, that, uh, uh, that history, my parents, and again, the things that they brought from rural America being raised on the farm, was also transformed us, but also going back every summer basically kept me close to my roots and going to college in a, a big farming community. So, um, you know, what can you say? You know, you can probably take the, uh, the guy away from the farm, but you can't take the farm out of them. Absolutely. Something that gets in you, that's for sure. Yes. That's going for it. Well, uh, Ms. Frankie, you've got a lot of things going on. You've got a, a, your book going on, but you've got other things that I think our audience would like to learn so they could connect with you on. Share with us how they can reach out uh, and connect with you and, and be a part of some of the activities and some of the things that you're doing. You know, I, I think the most important thing that one can do is, is to share, uh, of course, their, what, share their knowledge. Um, I don't, in, in one way um, that, that I'm, I believe in access, I think those that have access to resources to advice, expertise, uh, information, education are always going to be in a better position to make more informed decisions. So uh, I have a professional development series. It's a 24, uh, seven days, 365 series of Morningside College out of uh, Sioux City, Iowa. It's part of the Franklin Leadership Foundation. And what we basically created is a platform that provides information. I call it virtual on-demand mentoring based on any category of interest that you're looking for in a career, based on any aspect from networking, building mm. your resume, uh, based on how do I transition to a new job, all located, of course, go to morningsidecollege.com and you can find the Franklin Leadership Foundation and the Franklin Professional Development Series. And so that information is accessible and it's free. And that's the thing I love about it. I also have a uh, podcast via YouTube and it's uh, Cleo Franklin. You can go to YouTube and go to coffeewithcleo.com and, and find that information. But this podcast extends the book that Chase uh, showed earlier. Thank you, Chase. Uh, didn't know that you bought the book, but I appreciate it. Um, it. It also gives you an opportunity to take some of the aspects of my book because what I do is every week I bring a global leader 
and have an interview of anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes. And we talk about not just what leaders are doing and how the challenges that they're facing while leading, but why they're leading. And so mm -hmm. you're going to get a chance to peel back the curtain and see leaders in action handling the things like COVID, equity, diversity, inclusion, um, so many different things. And so I would invite you to go uh, Google me and go to YouTube and find Cleo, Cleo Franklin and, and subscribe to my coffeewithcleo.com podcast. But those are some of the things that I'm doing. And thank you so much for, for mentioning me. And uh, audience, the information that he just mentioned on how to reach them will be put in the show notes that you'll be able to find uh, in the links below. We'll have direct links so that you can connect with him. Mr. Franklin, thank you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for, for sharing. And, and what I really appreciate as someone who works uh, with this age group is the commitment that you've made, especially at Morningside uh, Colleges, to their future of uh, putting together this leadership series. That that means a lot because some folks just take for granted that, that youth can get it. You know, hey, if we just give them a book, they'll read it. But investing and, and, and really being very conscientious and deliberate on how you do it, that means a lot to, to youth. And I hope that – I know the university, the college that you put it at, I, I know that they've got to be appreciative, and all our audiences as well. So I appreciate it, and I thank you for that. No, I, I appreciate it as well. And if I could just say one thing, if I could have done anything differently, I would have been just more fearless. And so uh, I would just tell people a closed mouth doesn't get fed. <laughs> Go out there, you know, speak your mind, engage, get involved, and get after what you want. But more importantly, find your purpose and uh, to keep things in motion. So create. If opportunity doesn't, doesn't exist, create an opportunity. And so there's a hashtag right there. Closed mouth does not get fed. I want to see that trending after this. Is, after this is going. You've given us a lot of stuff through the hashtag, and I've noticed these two writing them down. You would say it, they start jotting them down, and I've been taking my notes as well. So uh, I appreciate your time, and, and join us again next week, uh, Generation Ziggler, as audience, as we continue with the Gen Z show. And thank you, Mr. Franklin. Thank you, Chase and Jakey Abbey. Thanks, everyone. God bless. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. And follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.